Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. So, I wanted to take a moment and thank you all for listening and supporting the show. With the limited operation we've got here, it's all thanks to you that we were able to keep growing with more amazing guests and bonus episodes. I will ask you, though, if you are enjoying Music Rewind, please check out the links in our show notes. They will take you to either our Patreon, where you can donate and support the show and get special content on the side, or to our amazing sponsors, Zounds for all your audio production needs, and also Drizzly, which will deliver your favorite beer, wine, or spirit straight to your door. This all helps us keep the show going. Thanks again, and now on with the show. Joining me today is our first returning guest on Music Rewind, Luke Boris. You will remember Luke from our episode talking Radioheads in Rainbows and also our two-part classic rock roundtable. Luke is a lifelong music nerd and also moonlights as a guitar player himself. Welcome back, Luke, and thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, back by popular demand. Everyone's been requesting me. I know this. Absolutely. You're one of our most requested people. (laughs) Everybody's tied at zero, though, so that means you're one of the most. There you go. Well, man, let's uh, let's jump right into this. This is a big one. Uh, what album would you like to bring to the table, and why is it special to you? Well, if you listen to the roundtable that we did, I think you're going to have a good guess about what we're doing tonight. It's Quadrophenia by The Who. Uh, it's their sixth studio album um, and their third rock opera. Um, I, I'm going to count a quick one as, as their first, uh, kind of like Rush 2112. It's, it, the whole album wasn't a concept album. It was just that song, but the same with uh, Quick One, which is a fantastic song. If you haven't heard it live, they, they do an awesome, awesome job. But, and then obviously we got Tommy as well. So Quadrophenia is their third concept uh, rock opera. Yeah, Tommy, I was well-versed in. I could recite to you, Tommy, word for word. That was kind of like a part of my childhood and, and beyond. And the movie and the, the album. Uh, and I'd always heard of Quadrophenia, like, oh, you got to listen to it, got to listen to it. I, I knew a couple of tracks, obviously, The Real Me and Love, Rain Over Me. But I had never listened to it all the way through until this. And thank you for bringing this to the table. This album was just magic. I agree 100%. It was wonderful. I, I'm going to have a hard time keeping this short. I think we're, we're going to be up all night here. We have no limits on time. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh, we'll, we'll get into anything you want to talk about because this, this may end up being just a, a geek out session about yeah. a fantastic oh, album. For sure. And, and it's not just one artist either. All, all of them bring their, their, they're at the top of their game on this for sure. So, um, yeah. So how did you discover it? I um, actually got uh, into Quadrophenia later on in life. Um, my dad had uh, the, the greatest hits, uh, Meaty, Beady, Big and Bouncy. Um, so I grew up listening to that. And he also had Who's Next, which I could easily do an episode on on Who's Next as well. So um, anyway, uh, Quadrophenia, I would say um, freshman year sophomore year of college is when I kind of got into it okay. and um what what really blew it up too was you, you know my love for Pearl Jam uh 
2007, I believe. So yeah, that would have been uh, sophomore year of college. So um, yeah, uh, Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam did a cover of Love Rain Over Me for the I, I got Adam Sandler see, movie. I got to see that uh, at at Bonnaroo. They that was one of their encore numbers. Nice, and, yes. and that, that blew my mind. That was they, yeah, he nailed it. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. I, I, I can't speak enough about his vocals on that. Eddie, um, and, and no, no offense at all, but as he aged or as he is aging, I should say, um, his, his voice is kind of declining in my opinion. Um, he's come up with this new style, which works for, um, for what he's trying to do. But, um, in that song in particular, I think that might be pinnacle Eddie Vedder. I, I, especially the the studio recording he just gives it his all and yeah i've always known it as just a, a, a really good song i did not know it in the context of the story which and we'll get into the story i'm sure but it it adds so much and and it especially when you get to the this this version and roger daltrey's vocals on that particular track it's just so much there passion it's desperation there are so many words you could use to describe it but yes roger at his peak as well there so for eddie to be able to recreate that it was something special and i did get to see it in concert as well too so um pearl jam obviously i I have not seen the who but um so anyway yeah uh, just the the album kind of touches on uh youth alienation countercultures and now were you familiar with the mods I was not before Quadrophenia. No, um, Me neither. I, I uh, wasn't, I, I guess I was familiar with rockers just from seeing it in America, but I think mods was definitely, uh, uh, uh English. It, it, it definitely wasn't. I didn't know it was such a specific thing. I mean, I thought that was just, I don't know the style, you know, the way they dressed and, riding around on the scooters. I I thought that that was just kind of something that that age group did. I didn't realize there was such a dedicated, you know, subculture to this. Dedication is a, is a understatement for sure. Uh, If you watch the movie, which I I know we talked about. I did. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was uh, lifestyle for sure. Yeah. Anyone who's listening uh, right now on HBO max, Quadrophenia, the movie's on there and it it definitely adds another whole another level to this album as far as how they put it on the screen. Yep. 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 So, um, and I actually watched a documentary on, uh, Quadrophenia recently. I believe it was called, can you see the real me? It was a BBC special. Um, I think I anyway, watched the same thing. There you go. So, <laughs> it was uh, like in seven parts on YouTube. And I yes, watched, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I don't know why they broke it up because it wasn't that long, but, um, but yeah, uh, Pete described the album as human frailty and abandonment set to the tune of a barreling freight train, which is probably a perfect description. And it's, it's fascinating to me that they, so the, the mods, uh, just to, to describe, you know, the, uh, a group of, of youth, you know, most likely, you know, early twenties, they, they wore very smart suits. They had very trimmed haircuts. Uh, they were very dedicated to their appearance. Yes. Uh, they, they wore like, uh, uh, air force jackets, uh, from the military and, and they rode around on scooters. They were very dedicated to a very specific type of music. They, they did not like the R&B that the rockers went towards. They were more towards the, the early Who styles and, um, and the Kinks. The Kinks were another big one in there. It's just very interesting that that subset was the base for um, the Who's early years. And then he writes this rock opera. I don't know, it doesn't paint him in a great light as a whole, 
No, um, not at all. Yep, we will find that out. Yeah, and it's just it's weird that and it's not that he was dogging his fans. It's just really telling a story, and then you get. I don't know how to put this in the words. He's I was just surprising them, yeah, because he was technically one of them. They they cut their hair the same. Yeah, the band yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it was uh, it, it was definitely their lifestyle as well. So you're correct in saying and, that he and was, not was the the most mod of them all. They said, yep, yep for sure. Yep, yep, yep. He, yeah, you should. You've seen how he dresses on stage. He, he's he's all about his presentation. So. I'll say, so do you want to talk the, the story, the music, the arrangement? There's, there's like so much to talk about. What, what do you want to talk about on this? I think we can do song by song like we did last time and we can do all three. We, we, we can right. co- cover uh, what's going through Jimmy's mind. Jimmy is our, our protagonist. Um, we can talk about what's going through his mind at the time. We can talk about the amazing bass presentation that John Entwistle has delivered. We can talk about... Keith Moon's insanity on on the drums, et cetera, et cetera. So, so uh, I want to mention that in the probably hundred times I've listened to this album since uh, I, I go through the the season here as I as I'm about to do a uh, an episode, I kind of dive into an album and uh, I'll listen to it over and over again. But the um, with this one, I actually found online an 85 page thesis paper dedicated to the mental illness described in the album. There you go. It was like a like a doctorate type of paper. You know, someone's going for their doctorate, and man, that was detailed. I I didn't get through it. I only okay. probably got about a quarter of the way through it because well, it was. If it you was, wanted uh, an abridged, if you wanted an abridged version, uh, Pete actually wrote. Um, I've got the vinyl record here for those of you not being able to see. He the actually essay. Wrote, yes, this is perfect. It it, it yep. really is. It it describes the album in in a condensed form, and it, well, I shouldn't say condensed. It's it's pretty wordy, but um, yeah, it's just. Now, uh, did did he do that for Tommy? I don't know if he um, did or not. I actually have Tommy sitting right here as well. Um, I don't believe he did, but. Um, because I, I know, I know they Pink Floyd didn't for the wall. Uh, by the by the way, if you, you, you see back there, I got Tommy up on up top. There you go, up there. beautiful. So, yeah. And I'm holding it, and I see animals underneath too, which <laughs> you <laughs> obviously chose for your your. Piece. Animals is always prominent, but like the wall, an essay of that nature would have been very helpful <laughs> to help us. Uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> understand the story of the wall. The the craziness that's going through Roger Waters' mind, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Tommy does not. With Tommy, I saw the movie first, so I knew the story. Okay. And that that helped me enjoy the album immensely. I haven't listened to Tommy in ages. I need to put this one on. But um, something else to note. So um, you can see on the Tommy cover, all of their faces are in here. What I thought was neat about Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia cover. Yeah, we'll dive right into there. So there are four um, rear view mirrors. So the Quadrophenia cover for those listening has, has a, a mod sitting on a scooter and he, he's got his air force jacket there with the who on the back of the jacket, the logo, but the scooter has multiple rear view mirrors. And in each mirror is a actual um, picture of one of the mem- each member of the who Here, here's um, the fun fact about Jimmy. So Jimmy does have quadrophenia, which is what we're talking about. Quad being for personalities and each of the personalities pertains to one of the members of the band. So we got Pete, we've got John, we've got Keith, and we got Roger. So um, each of the band members also have a dedicated song on the album. So Helpless Dancer um, is Roger Daltrey's song. Um, mm-hmm. And the description is tough guy, but a helpless dancer. So um, apparently Roger Daltrey 
in my opinion, all the live stuff I've seen, all of the interviews, he seems like a gentle giant, but apparently he was a fighter. He did not <laughs> mess with Roger. So, um, yeah, basically tough guy, but, but helpless dancer. So, and then, uh, Dr. Jimmy, John Entwistle, that's his song because there's a break uh, a few times in the song actually it's called, is it me? And, uh, mm-hmm. he's considered the romantic, uh, bellboy is Keith moon, which is described as a bloody lunatic, but I'll even carry your bags. So devil may care attitude, that kind of thing. And then, uh, obviously Pete's, uh, love reign over me. So, um, it's description is a beggar, a hypocrite love reign over me. So. And each of those has its own motif that reoccurs throughout the album. It will cut into the songs. Which, by the way, I think that's what makes this the perfect concept album, for me anyway, is it ties throughout the, like you said, each of those motifs is, is throughout the entire thing. So it's, it's just as a whole, um, it, it's just be- beautifully done. Uh, Townsend is, it, is the great. It works the well greatest. when you appreciate it like we are approaching it. Yeah. Uh, as a concept album. But if you were to, to jump over from track to track, just random, man, this would make no sense. Sure. Yep. It, it, it really, this is tailored to front to back. You kind of have to, normally I would ask the guests, how do you listen to the album? But there's really only one answer on this one. Sure. I, I agree. But, um, I, we haven't even gotten to song one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do another sidebar here. So, um, we were speaking about who's next earlier. So, whose next was supposed to be another rock opera. So it was called Lifehouse. Basically, uh, abridged version is, um, so we had Tommy, we have Jimmy for Quadrophenia. Um, Bobby was the main character for Lifehouse. And um, basically, life has become hazardous. Uh, the world has been polluted so terribly that everyone has to live in these suits. They're called life suits. They uh, basically uh, they're they're living life through virtual reality, which isn't. We're not too far off from that. Little, we don't need to delve into there, it. yeah, yes, absolutely. But his idea, Pete's ideas, were so grandiose and, and over the top for this one. No one really understood what he was trying to do. So they kind of took the songs from Lifehouse and turned them into Who's Next. So they rearranged them. So basically, you got a concept album, but it's been chopped and rearranged for, for radio. So they do stand alone to some extent. Um, it, I, it, I don't want to say all the songs in Quadrophenia do, but... Um, well, you, got, you got The Real Me, yes. uh, 515, Can, even though it's got yeah. some of the motifs in there, yep. and then Love, Brain Over Me. Those sure. are kind of the three, you know, I, I believe they released those three as singles. Yes, yep, they, those were the three for sure. So, um, but anyway, um, another side note. So 2021 was 50 year anniversary for who's next. And I just found this out today, actually. Pete Townsend is going to release Lifehouse. He is going oh, to really? give us that concept album. Yes. He's, since it's the 50th anniversary of who's next, he's actually going to put it in the correct order. He's going to add the songs that were cut. I don't awesome. know if he's re-recorded them, but, um, and if he hasn't then I'm sure he's got his demo still that he can kind of soup up and, and make it a, a concept. So we're getting another who concept album in 2022, which is amazing. We'll, we'll have to do a, a bonus episode and just dissect that when it comes out, that, that'd be know, awesome. get, get yep. first impressions. Yeah. yeah that'd, be, that'd be fun. That'd be, absolutely. So, all right, well, let's, let's dive into this. We, we, I, I've been just babbling here. So go, go for it. Take us into track one. Track one is I Am The Sea.
so basically Pete walked around making field recordings. So it starts off with uh, the ocean noises, the rain, uh, television, train whistles, uh, parades, you know, whatever he, he was encountering, he, he recorded. So, and uh, th this song kind of just uh, sets the tone for the album, um, in my opinion. And then um, you, you do get some Roger vocals in there as far as the, 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 the four motifs. Correct. Some of the recurring yep. ones. You'll, you'll, and then you'll hear, you know, bellboy. You know, you'll you hear just, just little bits of it. Yep. And um, Pete actually whispers in the background, I am the sea. Oh, does he, he really? Yes. I yep. didn't catch that. <laughs> yep. So, um, but yeah, like you said, helpless dancer, you got the horns. Uh, is it me, bellboy, love rain over me? You get a, a tease for all of them. And they all represent the voices going on in, in Jimmy's head and at yeah. any given time. So, um, and then uh, the song kind of just fades out and, what you get is Roger screaming, can you see the real me? Can you? So that kicks us right into the real me. John Entwistle's tone on his bass is just so, so phenomenal. But I, 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 I was wondering how long we get before you start talking about it. Well, the real me just it, kicks, yeah, kicks it right does. into it. It and really I, does. And, and I, I, I guess it's tone. Again, I, I, I'm not a musician. So um, I, I said that in the last three podcasts, I believe. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know how to describe this stuff, but tone, there's just something in his bass guitar that not many people can, can, even touch. I, I I don't know if I've heard another bass player like John Whistle. And what what always fascinates me is the skill needed to keep rhythm and time with Keith Moon. Yes, that that is a a level of of bass playing that is impossible. How, how the hell does he do it? Because Keith Moon, especially when you watch the videos of of some of these songs live with Keith playing, I mean. It's like the dude's got eight hands. It is. I, how, do, how the hell does he hit all of these drums at the, in the right moments to keep a rhythm and still add in those jazzy things on the side? It's, yes. it's nuts. Yep, I agree 100%. And then at some points throughout this album in particular, I don't even know if he's keeping rhythm. He is going so quickly. Obviously, there's a rhythm of some sort in there, but he is just wailing on the, on those. Well, those I wonder, and this is just a what if, would Keith have been as good as he was without John and Whistle to keep that rhythm steady? I don't think so. I, I think that's a good point. I, I, I think he needed someone like that to to maintain and you could argue that that ant whistle is their lead guitarist because pete's always been known mm. as as the rhythm but he's the king of rhythm i it, i'm gonna go ahead and say i think pete townsend is the best rhythm guitarist ever period that's again opinion john ant whistle is, is making up for that and i shouldn't say lack of lead guitar because pete does come in a few times on this album and, and and has some stellar leads but john ant whistle i i think he could be considered their their lead guitarist uh the real me just is a it, it's the it's it's classic who to me that's that's just everything hitting on all cylinders and that's just everybody's just on point for a for a good rocking tune story-wise it's it's jimmy going to a doctor, a preacher and others, you know, trying to figure out what is his deal, what's his issues and, and without getting any solution. Yes. Yep. No, no one understands what's going on in his head. And, um, 
his split personalities are, are coming to the forefront. So YouTube, uh, John at Whistle, Isolated Bass. I think I sent this to you and Al uh, yeah, a couple months yeah. ago. Holy cow. <laughs> so anyway, I'll, I'll stop babbling. But uh, I also touched on this in, in the uh, roundtable. We get our first Keith scream in this song. So I don't know if you noticed these, but throughout the whole album, he is hitting so hard that he's just yelling at the top of his lungs. And it's so loud that his drum microphones are picking it up. That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I think it's at the 56 second mark. So if, if anyone listening is, is counting, uh, scream number one is 56 seconds into the real me. And then that leads into, which is pretty much the overture, Quadrophenia, the track. I have that note as well. I, I would compare this to Overture off of Tommy. Yeah, Tommy has Overture and then Underture, which are two of my favorite tracks off that entire album. And then here you, you have something similar, and we'll talk later on. But the uh, but Quadrophenia is pretty much serves as the Overture. You got a little bit of everything in one, you know, amazing instrumental arrangement. And and uh, starts off with with Bellboy, and then uh, this is back to what I, I previously said. Pete actually shows his lead guitar chops, fantastic. So heavy synthesizers as well. So. Um, what Pete did was he played the organ and filtered it through a synthesizer, which was a fairly new technology. Um, and I, as far as I know, I don't know if anyone was was utilizing the, synth, the synthesizer as uh, as Pete was at, at this time. See, um, I don't know if I'm, I'm necessarily the best person to be talking about this album. I was not born at that time, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it was pretty unique for the time. So, um, but yeah, uh, the, is it me melody is then played on guitar. That's obviously from, uh, Dr. Jimmy, like we, we said earlier, um, then helpless dancer, the horns come in and followed by the melody played on the violin, but then, uh, love rain over me, uh, the piano kicks in ends with more ocean waves. You got your, uh, motor scooter coming in, mm -hmm. um, all of those field recordings. So, so Quadrofina then drifts into track four, which is cut my hair. And yes. this is kind of where the story really begins. Yes. Yep. It's the first proper track. You know, you, you had the yeah. real me, but this is exactly where, where it, where it begins for sure. And then we do get another Keith scream right off the bat. Really? That, they, yeah. I didn't notice this one. Yep. Uh, 41 seconds in. I, 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 I noted all of them and uh, it looks like there's one, two, three more <laughs> in the song. So you'll have to send me that and, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes. Cause I, I want to listen to it again. I want to listen for, for the ones that I missed. Yep. He, he's just a, an animal. Absolutely. So uh, he, he actually destroyed multiple drum kits recording this in the studio. Oh, really? Now I knew yeah. they did that live, but I, I didn't know he was doing it. No, just, just in, in the actual recording, he, nice. he just, like just, there's like little damage, little damage. And then apparently in, when they did love rain over me, he destroyed his kit in the studio. Just not like theatrics, just playing. Sure. 
Holy yes. cow. That's crazy. I, and, and yeah, I just, Keith alive. Uh, I'm sure you've seen clips, but he duct tapes his headphones to his head. He's just it, it, a crazy man. So, uh, I yeah, believe it, that for sure. Yeah. But before I, uh, before an episode goes live on like Friday or Saturday, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll like post like a homework assignment, you know, for anyone that's paying attention to my, my Twitter account. And, uh, I'll say, here's your homework for the weekend. Uh, but I am 100% going to post the the YouTube video of bellboy with him singing the vocals with, with uh, it's, it's great. Yep. It is just absolutely great. We'll, we'll get to bellboy though. <laughs> yep. 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 So, uh, but yeah, the, uh, distorted guitar part in this, um, I don't know if he was putting that through the synthesizer as well, but sometimes it sounds like, like his guitar is, is overly produced somehow. So I don't know if he's using a bow. I know um, John Paul Jones used to do that with Zeppelin. So it, it, maybe Pete uh, picked that up as well. But um, in, anyway, I just, I, it, it's beautiful. It's just another layer added on. You've got your, your standard piano, you got your synthesizer piano uh, slash organ, and then you've got these guitar effects that, that just add ambiance to the whole thing. And then they, they use uh, different, different vocalists. You've got, uh, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey singing as far as to kind of, it, it sets that, uh, that atmosphere of the different voices in his head. Yeah. So why should I care? And then, you know, and then just different, different vocalists. And this happens on multiple tracks. They do have, they have beautiful harmonizing on this one. Uh, and, and Pete did take the, the lead for most of it too. So, um, and, and there are some songs on here where, where the who becomes a trio because Roger's non-existent at all. And I think those were probably the ones that uh, Pete felt most passionate about um, that, that he was the only singer. And, and you'll notice too, on some of those, Keith is actually just keeping a beat. It, it, he, he's more subdued. Uh, and whistle isn't all he over can, the He place. can be restrained when he needs yes. to be. Yeah. Yes. So we'll get to those two later. Yeah jumping ahead yeah. so so um, so cut my hair is is what i say where the story starts and it's jimmy trying to he's describing how he's fitting in with the mods correct how, how he he's got to keep up with the fashions he's got to get the his suit to be specific dimensions and look a certain way uh he doesn't want to have the kids at school look down on him because he's not up on the fashion it's it's fashion was really an important part of this whole subculture it was and and um, i'm gonna go back to what you said something you said earlier um you mentioned that the who actually started as a, a mod band. Well, their first, their very first single um, before they were even the who um, I, I, I made a note here uh, of what the band was called at the time, um, the high numbers. So the high numbers, um, their first single was zoot suit and I'm the face. And you actually get to hear the um, refrain from zoot suit in this song. They, they lifted the lyrics from their very first single. And on that note, just terminology, the face that's what the mods kind of called themselves within the group. You know, like let's say uh, you were, you were out there with the faces, which uh, I mean, there was groups called, you know, the faces and, and, and such. So there was. Odd Go fact. <laughs> um, when Keith Moon died, the person who replaced them, replaced him was Kenny Jones and he was the drummer for the faces. Oh, nice. <laughs> and Rod, Rod Stewart was obviously the lead singer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Ken, Kenny Jones was their drummer for uh, quite a quite a while after Keith passed. Yeah, I did not know what the, say the terminology of of the face. You know, I'll be the best face out there, sort of thing. Yeah, they, yeah, they, that, they, that, that's because I didn't know that. I had to read up on the mods, and I had to. I, I would never have known that. This was. You could say this album was written for those people that had grown out of 
that that subculture. We appreciate it now having <laughs> no connection to that that group, but still it's um it was definitely written for them. Yes, it was, for sure. And after this one comes The Punk and the Godfather, which I claimed as my favorite jam, I, yeah. I believe, on, uh, on the round table. I think you so, did. Uh, this song just it does it for me. You, you, you said the real me was, was who at their, their finest. This, this is too. The, this song is just perfect who. Every if anyone ever says if I meet someone that doesn't know the Who I would direct them to this song that you're gonna okay. get a flavor uh, you're gonna get a flavor of every one of their their talents and um, it's just a, a rocker through and through. That's a good question. Yeah. Someone who's never heard of the Who, where would you direct them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what what song would you give them? I would probably say five fifteen. Yeah, five fifteen would be a good one. Yeah, uh, Bob, but, Bob but, but this this one's good too. Bob O'Reilly, you know. Won't get fooled again. I'm sure they've all heard that, but anyway. So anyway, but yeah, this one just kind of just smacks you in the face, just bursts in with with authority. And uh, I mentioned this too previously. Uh, Pete and John's guitars almost sound like they're having a battle, kind of the, like the voices in Jimmy's heads or in Jimmy's head. I don't know if that's intentional as well, but the so anyway, I, I just thought that was, that was neat. And if it was intentional, that's genius. Again, my, my note here is classic who music. Uh, this is what you expect from the rock legends on all levels for yes. this song. <laughs> yep. That, that's a great note for sure. And, and yeah, John at his finest too, you know, the, the tone again, it's just, it, it's perfect. So, and Roger actually harmonizes with himself in this. Pete doesn't come in for the harmonies. He, he gets to, to do both parts there. And uh, from a story perspective, this is Jimmy going to see uh, a mod group. And in my takeaway, I guess that he's disappointed. Yes. In, in that, cause they're, 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 they're supposed to hit, be this, this, uh, this high level of faces and he, and it's all a show. It's all yes. theatrics and not, not, it's all phony. None of it's real. I had phony listed as my description for, for the band on, on my notes as well. So you're spot on. It, and the, the band itself, uh, you know, the Godfather portion is like, you know, tough shit, you know, yep. but this is, thanks for your money. There you go. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, another note that I made here, um, which is a, a popular saying, never meet your idols because you'll only mm-hmm. be let down. And then that's, yeah, that's, true. that's kind of the, the tone you get with this too. So. But yeah, just uh, Keith screams a couple times in this one as well. So I, I'll get this to you after the show. I, I'll make every every time I noted a Keith scream. I'm sure I missed some too. But yeah, uh, Pete's part in the song, he's got that kind of an echoing effect and he's kind of harmonizing with himself on that part as well. And again, that uh, I don't know if he's using a slide guitar or, or a, a violin bow, but um, there's just a lot of cool effects kind of just echoing throughout the whole thing so it's 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 a great 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 song so i love the reference to my generation as well yes yes i've got a note about that so yeah, not that, only are the, are they referencing the the four themes throughout they're also referencing their older stuff so like zoot suit uh their first single from the previous song and now they're they're going to their first album there's a bit of a, a meta level to it 
Yeah. Yep. But, uh, and he does that through a talk box, which I don't know how popular oh, that right? was at the time. Yeah. The meow, 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 meow. So, um, I know Stevie wonder did it in concert quite a bit. Um, Peter Frampton years later, obviously did it to death. And this um, would have been but, quite a few years before animals. Yeah. With, uh, their yeah. talk box. Wah, use. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you can't tell I'm really into this. I'm, I'm just feeling it. Sorry, I already took animals. <laughs> so uh, anyway, inside one, um, if you're a vinyl fan, this is where it, and I think that's just the perfect song to, to end a, a side on. So, yeah, uh, side note, uh, during all this, uh, as I was telling you, I, I did buy the vinyl, got it for like, like 25 bucks used on, on Amazon. Nice. And uh, I appreciate the, the order and just the, the, the set list as far as, what ends and what starts a, a, a disc. It, it, they did that very well. For sure. And even, even on the CD, they, they, it's a two disc. Um, it, it, they ended at uh, side two and side four, obviously. So um, it ends perfectly for those as well. So yes, I agree. That, that'd be difficult because uh, th- that was their only medium back in the day, but it'd be difficult to, to choose the order. And especially for um uh, a story like this that that needs to be mm-hmm. told in a specific order. So, yep. You kind of like say like the wall ends their their first. They have part one and part two, and that and that break is is done well. With, yes. You know, hey hey you starting part two and stuff. So that's in that same vein. Agreed. Then we go into track six, which is the one, and this is uh, Pete on on lead vocals again. Yes, and this is the 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 who as a trio. I actually, uh, I'm going to do another side note here. In uh, 2008, I went to see Eddie Vedder solo. He was touring for Into the Wild, uh, the soundtrack that he did. Okay. Um, and he actually performed the song and uh, just reinforced my my love for this album for sure. But um, yeah, uh, th- that was the last concert I went to with my dad, actually. And fun fact, he and my uncle came with my buddy and I, and they thought we were going to a Pearl Jam concert. And when it was Eddie sitting on a stool with an acoustic guitar, they were so disappointed. Oh, um, really? I think they left <laughs> about halfway through. Really? Yep. <laughs> they bought these wow. amazing Eddie Vedder tickets and left my buddy and I there so they could go out drinking. So <laughs> went, went to the Cubs game the next day, which was great. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was something. that they, they, they were so disappointed they left. But um, I was certainly not, and I'm one by Eddie Vedder is something you guys should look up. He, he yeah, I'll see if there's a YouTube on that one. Yes, yeah. Auditorium Theater 2008. Check it out. He did an amazing job. So anyway, I, I did see you know somewhere that I'm one has become a a staple of Pete Townsend's solo. Uh, I can see that shows and, yes. a, and a fan favorite, which makes sense. Yep, for sure. So beautiful acoustic ballad, um, but they do mix in some of that classic who sound you know mm-hmm. just to, to not alienate their their fans so and I can see that this is me and I will be you lost seed on the one slide guitar again uh john and and keith are kind of subdued on this one this is i i, I think john probably had a lot of control he, he might have wanted to do this one 
uh, solo, you know, so, so they kind of, well, it, ma- it matches the, the, the lyrics in the story. Cause this, this is, this is Jimmy feeling part of the mods. Uh, and this is not him breaking down. This is not him starting a riot or something or doing something crazy or fighting with his parents or whatever. This is him. You know, I'm one, I'm one of you guys. And, and that, and then the music and the lyrics match all together. Now, see, I took it a different way. I, I thought okay. this was him realizing that he's not a mod and he's, he's one with him. He's trying to be an individual. Well, I, I guess I took it as he, he's, it's one of those things where if you tell yourself something enough, you believe it. You're right. Yep. Okay. I can see that. So, sure. so he's, he just constantly, cause if you look at the lyrics, you know, he's asking people, where'd you get those blue jeans? He looks, I'm, a, I'm a Gibson without a case. You know, there's, he, he's being that phony that the Godfather told him yes. <laughs> that he had to be. Yep. So, so he's like, okay, well then I'm the one, but I'm not really. Sure. Yep. Conflicting thoughts going through as well. So, all right. I, I, okay. I changed my, my view. I'll, <laughs> I'll join you. So, all right. What's next? next we got a, the dirty jobs track seven. Dirty jobs. This one, Keith is hard at work. <laughs> judging by the screams that I have listed here. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got seven Keith screams on this one. Oh, wow. He, he is working overtime. Uh, but yeah, the synthesizers into the, the short violin strokes um, just kind of brings you right in. Whistle. I, I'm, I'm going to stop. <laughs> it's just so, so good. So, um, but anyway, yeah, uh, Dirty Jobs. Basically, Jimmy um, is going to work as a garbage man. Now, um, that, that's what I took from the album. In the movie, he never actually goes to work uh, as the garbage man. But um, what he's realizing is that society looks down upon these folks with, with the dirty jobs. So he lists what uh, pig farmer, um, bus driver, uh, miners, et cetera. So, but as he's talking to these other, uh, you know, blue collar workers, he actually, towards the end, he blames them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that kind of, well, the lyric, lyrics, he kind of took a turn for me there where, where he's like, he's realizing, yeah, society's going to keep you guys down. It's just kind of the way it is. And then he says, but it's your own damn fault. Yep. If you let them do it to you, you've got yourself to blame. Yeah. Yep. So it, but, I guess he kind of mentally says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let them do that to me, I guess. Yep. I'm not going to weep again right afterwards. You're right. Yes, that's, that's for sure. It, it might also signify that he's going to rebel yeah. in, in the future as well. So, which yeah. that well that leads into helpless dancer. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, song ends with uh, pig snorting uh, parade in the background, and then yes, helpless dancer, the theme of Roger um, that we talked about earlier. So the tough guy, the helpless dancer, opens with horns. Um, I don't know if that's kind of like a that's supposed to be a revelation. I'm going to get artsy fartsy because. That's what Pete was. So let, let's kind of dig deep. Well, this one is stripped down though, too. Yeah. Yep. This one just relies heavily on on Roger to do all the heavy lifting. Yes, for sure. He's he's again just powerful, powerful vocalist. So um, kind of relays uh, Jimmy's hardships.
Although the the other hardships that he's listing um, has seemed kind of minuscule, in my opinion. I'll, I was going to yeah. talk about that later as far as his, to, to me, and this is coming as a parent, Jimmy is a lot of this. He's just a rebellious, spoiled little brat. Yes. Yep. As, as today's youth would say, first world problems. Yes. Yes. Oh. Now, granted, his parents aren't the best. Correct. They've got their own issues that he, he details in, in various lyrics. But he, uh, he had a job. He had a fun group of friends. He had, you know, social life. You know, he, he had, you know, your basic. What, what's going through his head is largely what every late teen, early 20s kind of goes through as far as, okay, what am I going to do with my life? You know, do I have, do I grow up and start to be a functioning member of society or do I be a, you know, a, a deadbeat and try to just party all the time? Yep. And, and I can relate to Jimmy 100%. I don't know about you, but I, I, I think, like you said, a, a lot of people can. And I'd say, and this is as a parent, I just want to smack my side of the head and say, grow up, man. Just, yep. Why but are you whining? <laughs> t- tell 21 year old Luke to not go out and drink when he's got a final exam tomorrow. And he would tell you screw off. So you can't talk to, to youth either. They're going to do what they want to do. And hopefully they can get a level head and, 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 and also there's a lot of drugs in this album. Yes. So he's, he's talking about, you know, the blue pills, amphetamines, and just he's, so that, that doesn't help any situation that, you know, this kid's doing. Yes. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. Um, gin, lots of drinking. So, but yeah, but, but you're right though. He's trying to lump himself in with, uh, you know, racial inequality and another other issues in this song. And it's like, dude, your problems are not even yeah, close. Yeah. Your problems have nothing. It, yeah. It, so it's, I don't know if we're supposed to sympathize with him on that level or I think we're supposed to see see him as delusional. We were supposed to see the pettiness. Yeah. I I, I think, I think for sure. Um, Cause Pete's not a dummy. He, he wouldn't have, have presented that as, as his point of view, you know, I did. So, so there are two sides to the, to the story too. So yeah. Yeah, And he gets all cynical about, you know, if a man is trying to change, but it only causes further pain. So you stop dancing. It's like, yep. And, Ooh, and I, I, again, I, I think the stop dancing um, signifies the rebellion again, because this is Roger's song. He's a helpless dancer, but he's also a fighter. So well, and I, and may, this is the way I took it. The, the dance is the functioning member of society. Yeah. Yep. So if sure. you're, 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 you're helpless, but keep dancing, do, do what you're told, you know, yes. go, go do the garbage, go do the mail room, go do those in, in the, um, so what's he going to do? You stop dancing. That's that's brilliant. Yes, for sure. And he did stop dancing. You stop dancing. All right. On to the next one. Is it in my head? This so I have, I have a confession to make. Okay. There are many times when I did listen to this album, though, and, and I would purposely, this is where I started. <laughs> okay. And, and there's a reason. This, uh, I, I like those you know, first eight tracks. They're all great. But track nine through, the, I don't know, through the end, really just kind of, it, it's the start of the breakdown. Yes. So it, it really kind of kicks it into gear with the, all the motifs start coming to the surface and each song, obviously it's, we'll, we'll cover, but it's, it's going to be, they're, they're all at a very high level musically, but this is I vinyl confession. I would start here. 
There you go. I apologize. So, <laughs> no worries. But uh, but yeah, uh, so this is another example of a perfect two song. I, I, I think you touched on that, but um, it, it, if someone asked what their sound is, this would be one to point them to for sure. It's got that piano in the background that like emphasizes all the themes. Yep. And then uh, and just the title alone matches lyrics as far as he's trying to figure out, is this in my head? Is this me? Sure. Am I the problem? Trying to find the, the real me, if you will. Yeah. I walk in the people turn So, but Keith and John are kind of subdued on this one too. They're not all over the place. They're, they're, they're keeping a rhythm going and, and um, even I, I subdued John and Keith are still better than a majority of, of rhythm sections out there. So. Well, and this is kind of the last, and I could be wrong, but to me, this is like the last subdued one before yes, the it all happens. Yes. The, yeah. freight, the freight train, the, the freight train. There you go. That, that's Pete said. <laughs> yeah. The freight train. Yes. The five fifteen. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, Jimmy sees a man without a problem, but also a country full of starving people and wonders how these can exist simultaneously. So he's kind of reflecting self as, as well. So, um, and all positive points on this uh, song are actually followed by a negative as well. Yes. So, so that, that, that shows his self doubt and his paranoia. Yes. Throughout the song. Yep. Anxieties of, of modern life. But yeah, back to what you said earlier, I think a lot of people have walked in Jimmy's shoes, um, if not all people experiencing mm-hmm. these things. So he is not unique, but we won't say that yet because we've got to keep the drama going, right? <laughs> so it goes into track 10, which is I've Had Enough. And this is, I guess, you know, almost first breakdown. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It, it, it for sure is a breakdown. There are, are so many layers Mm-hmm. This this is insanity in song form for sure. This was one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, yeah. Roger, uh, his, uh, intro, um, shows Jimmy's anger. Uh, it's very tense. Um, it just be- beautifully delivered. And then, uh, the second part Pete comes in and, uh, actually, uh, we'll see this part again, uh, later and in. again and again. Yes. <laughs> You're talking so, about the, the jacket and yes. the GS scooter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Descri- describing all of his, his mod things. It, it's very materialistic. This, this part as, as things keep start to crash down around him, he keeps telling himself that I've got the suit, I've got the scooter, I've got, I got the coat. Why, why is everything breaking down? I'm doing what I'm supposed to do yes. with the I, fashion. Why is nothing else working? I should have the girl. I should have the money. I yes. should have all of this, but it's not happening. So, but yeah. And then um, right afterwards we get the love rain or me tease. This is kind of signifying uh, Jimmy's want to go uh, or his need to go back to the sea in uh, Brighton. Mm -hmm. So, and then we get a beautiful banjo break. Banjo. I I have it in here. Yeah, I said, I put, I love the drums on this one. Keith is on point, followed by a friggin' banjo. And speaking, (laughs) speaking of Keith during the banjo part, is he playing a bongo? 
I believe so. I, I, believe I, so. I was going to say, I didn't know if it was Bongo or if he had some sort of different skin on one of his drum heads, but yeah, it sounds like with one of his eight arms. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, it's very, very hillbilly and, and uh, just a knee slapper for sure. But it's beautiful. It, it's, it's the who's version of hillbilly hillbilly who we go right back into the tense part right after that roger hits us again and guess what happens at four minutes and eight seconds i'm gonna go with uh keith whispers something <laughs> yes got another keith scream so but but he's just he's going i'm not surprised it. i missed it in this one there's all this one has everything going on it does yes but but yeah uh he's just so powerful tremendous back there correct me if i'm wrong this is the end of the first disc correct Yep, and, and yeah, side two, yes. So, so this could, this is like the first finale. It is, yes, 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 yes. Um, I think he decides that he doesn't fit in with the mods in this song. I, I, I or maybe mm-hmm. not decides, but but is realizing that he doesn't, uh, and maybe society in general. Maybe he's just seeing himself as a, as an outcast. Uh, anxiety's building up to this point, and uh, hey, I'm finished with the fashions and yes. acting like I'm tough. Yeah. Yep. Bored with hate and passion. I've had enough of trying to love. So, well, the, well, uh, you didn't do the, the Roger Daltrey version. Of <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, no, I can't do yeah. it. And yeah, I'm definitely he, not he gives it everything on. I, I didn't realize what he was saying until I read the lyrics. <laughs> that last <laughs> <Yep>. word. <laughs> it's passion. Yes. He says he's bored with hate and passion, but the hate and passion come through in that final. Love. That's true. I'm bored with hate and passion. I've had enough of time. But yeah, like you said, in side two. But um, I think that th- that we we get the the hint that he he wants to go back home and and go to his yeah, happy so place. S- Story wise, he's he's got he wants to go back to the one time that he had his high point in his short life, which was the, uh, a rumble in Brighton where yes. the mods had a, a, a weekend there. And then the rockers were there with their motorcycles, which I want to talk about the movie for a minute. Okay. How weird was it watching these, you know, actual bikers, you know, go toe to toe with these scrawny little mods. And, and they were getting their asses <laughs> was, handed to them. Yeah, it was, it was even. I mean, you, yep. you'd see one, you know, it was just so weird. Cause you, you think in this day and age, the, I'll, I'll use more modern terms, but the, the, the preppy guys yes, uh, in their, in their suits and their slick terror versus the guys on the, uh, on the motorbikes. It, it just, it, it, sh- in today's aspect, it should have been an ass kicking. I agree. But I think but, at sheer numbers, the, the mods were out, out in numbers. So I, I think they, they, had that going for them, but yeah. Um, and earlier in the movie, you see there, there's a, a mod by himself trying to fix his bike and, and mm-hmm. the, the rockers take him out. So, yeah. And I, the mods will leave a man behind. Yes, they will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, we're getting chased by a bunch of rockers and, and our groups are even, but one guy has bike trouble hey, or scooter trouble. Sorry, man. You're on yes. your own. That, and that leads back to the selfishness. I think the, 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 the yeah. ego. So, um, but fun fact too, that actually happened. 65 people died. Apparently that there was actually in uh, Brighton. Yes. Uh, uh, on, on the beach. Uh, I, I figured there was an actual, you know, altercation, like a small ride, but I didn't, didn't know 65 people died. That's, yes. that's terrible. Yep. That, that was, a uh, uh, on a news headline, um, that I saw somewhere. It, it might actually be in the, the, the Quadrophenia booklet here. 
but yeah, um, it was, it was an all out brawl for sure. I'd like to apologize to anyone that actually was a mod, you know, and I'm, you know, dogging you guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm going by the album and the movie. So I'm sure there's a lot of good people out there that were mods. Yes, uh, for sure. And, and when I said selfish, I meant stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't we're do all... do- donuts with your scooter in my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that was a, a, an excellent point in the movie as well. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I actually really, really enjoyed that. I don't know about you, but... Um, I, I did enjoy the movie, the whole, yes. all of it. And I loved the scooters. Uh, because it was like they, they had to like trick out their scooters. How many mirrors can you fit on there? How many stickers? And this, yes. that was yep. so weird. And and Sting's bike w- was the cream of the crop. That was the A space. Yes, GS on the front. I don't think that he. Was, I don't think he said anything in the movie, did he? I don't think he had any lines. I, I don't believe so. Yeah, now that you say that, it, he just I, stood I, there and stared. Oh no, he did. He he had one line. It was in court when he said he was going to write him a check. Oh, you're right. You're right. He, that, was, he, that was a good scene too. Yes, it was. Right. That, that, that was the perfect line to give a judge for sure. Yep. So. <laughs> and, and I think that was right when uh, the, the, the Outlandos the more is that what that was their first album, right? The, the Police. I think that had just come out. Right when, when, when they, movie. I did read that when they cast. This uh, is based on the IMDb trivia that I was reading. Uh, when they cast Sting, he wasn't like a household name. Okay. But by the time the movie came out, everyone did know who Sting was at least in the UK and you know, they, they were starting to come up as a band. Sure. And, and uh, fun fact as well. Um, the movie was supposed to be set in 1964 and mm. apparently there were some seventies models vehicles in, in some of the shots. Uh, Greece was playing at the movie theater, which hadn't come out until well, much later. They didn't have a, uh, a license to film anything on the road. So okay. everything that you're seeing on the roads um, other than a few like things in Brighton with like extras, but like every when they're riding scooters and they're getting wrecked and you know getting you know those little beat up scenes, those are all like guerrilla filming. They had to like do it before the cops show up. Oh wow! And, See, that's, uh, that's... and another reason is because the helmet laws changed, so they okay. had to film it as if it was 1963. So they had with Jimmy and the mods and with no helmets, but that was that was the actual law by the time they started filming. Gotcha. All right, that's that's neat as well. I did not know that. This is all gospel because this was all read on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So if, if any, if either of us misspeaks in this, please don't judge too harshly. All right. Sure it so might, it, it might've been covered in that 85 page doctorate, but um, I didn't get that far. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm sure you got some good tidbits from it anyway. So, all right. We're starting side three with uh five fifteen. So five fifteen, I believe is, um, it, did they call the trains that or, or is it supposed to be like the, the, the trains number? I think it's the, the, I'm on the five fifteen, which is the, the five fifteen time slot that goes to Brighton. Gotcha. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. Cause, cause it's got the, I'm out of my brain on the five fifteen. Yes. So out of his brain, uh, you can guess that he has taken quite a few of the blues that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so so Jimmy gets everything that he has as far as amphetamines. He like takes a whole ton and just goes on the train, and it's it's like his uh, his uh, his high trip on the. He's just saying what he sees. Yep, and, and actually, the the song starts off with um, the uh, chorus from "Cut My Hair." Yeah, why should I care? Yes. Yep. 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 So more multiple personalities coming through, um, and, and it, it, that makes you think too. Let's go back to the artsy fartsy is this coming from the same personality that we saw 
in cut my hair. You know, is that what that's supposed to allude to? I think that there are of the four personalities. If we take that as, you know, story face value, they intersect. I mean, they're all coming up at different points during multiple songs. So it's not, sure. it's not necessarily one song from one personality. It's You're right. It's, it's intercut. Yep. I agree. 100%. But we, yeah, we get the back and forth treatment uh, with the vocals again. Um, it, it, Roger sings a part, and then you've got the rest of them yelling back. What did you think of the lyrics? Um, <laughs> that's something. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going to get another. This is set in 1963. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm not going to say them because I don't want to get me too'd. But they're the, the O de Cologne part. So, um, so the, I mean, this was, this was written from the point of view of a a young boy in 1963. So what he's seeing, we're not saying what (laughs) anything. So the Ode cloning, um, apparently um, when the Beatles came around, uh, the girls would piss their pants and, and sit on the the seats in the train. No joke. (laughs) I I read this and and the the ushers had to spray cologne to get the smell of pee out of the, out of the train. That makes sense. He's like, the seats are seductive. Yeah. Celibate sitting. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, just another little fun. No, the, the, yeah, the, there you go. The ushers are sniffing. Ew, de cloning. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, but so anyway. Just for anyone that has not heard the song, the, the one, it starts off with why should I care in a very subtle tone. And then it kicks off. It, it completely changes in full who fashion. You got horns in there. You got the that drumstick. And then the lyrics come in with talking about teenage girls, way underage, sexually knowing. And then it just goes like, Oh wow. Okay. This is the train we're on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but yeah, um, again, yeah, just that back and forth, um, Roger saying something and then the rest call, call back to him. So, and, um, then, uh, I, I think Pete and John are both singing the, uh, the high and low, um, harmonies. So inside, outside, outside. and then, um, inside, outside. So I, what, one of them's doing, it, it's either yeah. uh, Pete and John. I know in concert it was Pete and John, but it might be both, both of those are, yeah. are Pete in this. So. Anyway, one on each channel, if you've got a hi-fi system, left and right channels, um, they're both screaming at you from both, both sides, which is neat. The high harmony is in the right and the, the lows on the left. So in that section of, uh, of lyrics, is, he's confused as all hell. I mean, he, he's like moments of clarity during this trip, trip on the, on the train and trip, you know, with the amphetamines. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, where have I been? He's asking himself, like, what the hell's going on? And then he's, then there's, I guess, another portion of himself telling him, I'm out of my brain on the train. <laughs> yes. Yep. And, and speaking of inside outside. So th- another little side note here, I just thought of this. So is this a reference to beach boys inside outside you? That could be. Yeah, it could be. That, that would be a rocker song though. Wouldn't it? I, I wouldn't see that as a, a mod song. <sighs> I don't know. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, and, and that was fit? another, well, I mean, that was another takeaway I had was coming, coming from it from our generation, all these different, 
whether it's the Kinks and the Who or the Stones and the Beatles, I lump them all together as classic rock, as we've obviously discussed. But there was that brick wall between them, apparently, with these different groups. So it's just kind of weird. Like we, in in retrospect, from a historical fashion, you know, we look at it as that's just good old fashioned rock. Sure. All around. So Beach Boys, I wouldn't know which one, which bucket to put them in because they're just it's classic rock. Agreed. So again, I may not be the, the right person talking about this, but I hope my passion's coming through. <laughs> I, I did have a, a note though on this that it has one of the saddest lyrics to me, which is the inside, outside, nowhere is home. Yeah. It, yep. It's just it, the way it, that is delivered. It, it's just very sad. Very sad yeah. to me. And, and Roger does have a very um, expressive uh, delivery in his vocals. So mm-hmm. um, that desperation coming through again. Yeah. Just it, how did these four dudes meet you know it just it, if fate exists this this was fate's doing putting these four four musicians together so but yeah again contradictory state statements throughout so you've got magically bored you've got free frustration you've got quiet storm water you've got tightly undone sadly ecstatic uppers and downers it, every everything's got a contradiction to it yeah you're right you're right yeah so um so how about that alluding to the multiple personalities possibly again. So, and just the overall confusion of this, yes. this, this young lad. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, cut my hair, comes back in again at the end. So um, actually this was uh, a single, as we talked about earlier, the uh, B side uh, was a song called water. It, it, it's on odds and sods. It's a, a B sides al- album of theirs. And it is so, so good. If you haven't heard water, check it out. Roger, I have not. Check, Roger water, not Roger waters, Roger Daltrey <laughs> at his finest. Seriously. Check it out. It, it, passion. He's just grit. I, I mean, just awesome, awesome, awesome delivery. So anyway, can't, can't say enough about, about this whole band. Just. Well, okay. Then, then we go into track 12, which is sea and sand. Sea and sand. I've got a soft spot for this one. So I know we had a conversation about this a few weeks ago, but I used to make mixtapes for my girlfriends back in college. And this one always made it to the mixtape. Now, um, I, I'm not sure if this was the right message. But no, not at all. <laughs> but it was, the, it, it was Roger's part, the love parts, the, 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 you know, it was, uh, that, that's what I was looking at. So, and, and my mixtapes were second to nine. I'm telling you it was a ride. So the, <laughs> this had, had to be in there. It was, it was part as, of as much as I've analyzed these lyrics and, and yeah, this song is, is right up there. It's like, well, yeah, I wouldn't send this to a girl. No, not, not if she's listening to the words. <laughs> yeah. But it's Roger's words, Roger's words. So. Well, and also I love is a perfect dress. So I, I, I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to hear that? But it's, Where's every fashion gives but knowing it. it in the context of the album, it changes yeah. all the meaning. <laughs> it does. So, so Jimmy so. arrives at Brighton and he's um, this quiet seaside town is not what he was expecting or remembers. He, cause he was there with, with during the brawl, during the, the height of the mod thing. And now it's all just old people. And, and now all he has left with him is his thoughts. 
Yes. And, he's, yep. and, he, and he thought, and he starts questioning everything. You know, like you said, the girl I love is the perfect dresser, but I am the one, I am the face that she wants her man to be. Why am I not? Yes. So, so ego is coming in again. Yes. Um, he, he thinks that he deserves it. So. Right. And it's intercut with that same, you know, my, uh, my jacket's going to be cut slim yes. and check. Yeah. Yes. So, so Rod, Roger's part's more subdued, laid back instrumentally too, not just lyrically. And mm-hmm. then you've got Pete coming in with that, that ego macho part as well. So back and forth, once again, just, just flows seamlessly. This, yeah. Can't say enough about this album. So. And the, uh, the bass and lead guitar lead this one. Uh, that, those were my notes here is that I, for some reason, I really, I had, a, I had a reason to write that down, but uh, that this particular track, uh, lead guitar really kind of crushes it. Oh, absolutely. And, and John and Keith are just hurtling. I, I, I mean, just it, it, freight train is the perfect way to describe the who they, they're just hurtling along. And I, I'm the face, if you want it, like you said, comes back. So um, earlier I referenced Zoot Suit was their first single. The B-side to Zoot Suit was I'm the face. And if you listen to their B-side, it is almost identical to I'm the face if you want it, babe. It, 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 and it's just, check it out after this as well. But uh, it's lifted from their very first single. So alluding to their mod beginnings once again, so pretty neat the uh it, it's also kind of funny that you said this on a mixtape to a girl because <laughs> the, the the last line is a very important line which is nothing is planned by the sea and the sand so you you can't build anything off of that foundation that's the way i took that yeah and so he he had built this vision of the mod life based on this weekend there and everything was gonna be great but it was built on sand and he's realizing that was all, that's all going to go away. Yes. And you sent yep. that to a girl. I did. Yes. <laughs> but it, it, it was, it was Jimmy me. I, I was Jimmy at the time. <laughs> okay. Yes. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. so, so I was, I was living out his, his life and l- let's go back to the movie. So in the movie, the, the riot happens and he does end up having sex with the girl that he he does yeah it was his high point and yes. it was also the, then then right after it was the something that's not in the album but in it is in the movie where he actually gets arrested in brighton and that starts his downfall trajectory yes yep so that's, but, it, but anyway his parents kick him out and then he quits his job and then he sees you know we'll, we'll get to the, the girl soon i'm not sure which track that is Yep. And I, I don't know what the actress's name was, but, but she played a fantastic role. She, the, the, mm-hmm. that was a, a good choice yeah. of, of actor for her or anyway. So, all right. Well, the actor that played Jimmy, I thought did a great job, oh, especially sure. in, in his trajectory upwards to the peak, you know, where he's, he's dancing on speakers and just having a blast say, doing donuts in that one yard with his scooter because he's all angry and yep, and, then, and then and then his breakdown yeah he's he's crazy i mean that was, that was he did a good job now uh do you know how old jimmy is supposed to be i know you said early early 20s earlier but i would i, 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 would assu- I mean i don't know what the drinking age stuff was or the legal ages but i mean he's got a an entry-level job so i would just say 20 to 22 okay somewhere in there sure 
Yep. I, I believe um, it still is to this day. I believe 18 is the drinking age over there. So and when I went to I- Ireland uh, for my senior, uh, I graduated from Bradley here in Peoria. So um, went to Ireland and I was able to to drink. Well, I guess if I graduated from college, never mind. <laughs> so you ignore, didn't graduate from Bradley at 18, did you? <laughs> no, ignore, <laughs> ignore that last statement. So, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this, this is what I'm thinking. My senior trip from high school, we went to Canada. The drinking age in Canada was, was 18. That's, ah, what, okay. that's where I'm getting mixed up. So anyway, yeah, my buddies and I took a trip oh. up to Canada um, senior year and it was a blast. So, but then I went to Ireland when I graduated from college and it was 18 there as well. So anyway. you just went to the Illinois Valley. There's no drinking age. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. Yeah. Go to Creepcore or Manitou, you know, <laughs> Uh, all right. Well then, uh, we go into track 13, which is drowned. Yes. Drowned. It, it, uh, another banger, right, right, right after the, the end of that one, which was also just rocking. So, so there's, there's two things that I really love on, on any album. Uh, one is, is musical transitions. So when one track plays well into another and that's all over this album, but what I really like is when the, uh, the lyrics do not match the music. And when I say that, I mean, like, so Drowned is a jam. It's, yes. it, it's, it's kind of, I don't say uplifting, but it's, 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 it's more of a rocking tune and it's, it's a, like a piano guitar jam, but the lyrics are completely depressing. Yes. And, yep. and, and a, 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 not even a steady downhill. It's just, I mean, dude is now come contemplating suicide. Yep. Yep. Drowning. Yes. So, uh, hence the, the name of the song, but yes, uh, Pete's guitars in this, he, he's playing, multiple guitars i'm gonna say three at at any given time so um they're just very free-flowing too it's organic it's it's not like it's his standard stabbing uh signature sound so and john actually does get a bass solo too in this one around the two two minute mark so again i'm gonna say he's their their lead guitarist so i wish i wish they they'd turn him up a little bit sometimes i don't know if it was just the mix um on the cd um which, which was my primary listening device um before we started this so i did read that uh every as pete townsend is the producer of this album every single thing in to include the keith yells everything is intentional yes there were no happy accidents everything is there for a reason uh i, I let me find it real quick so um i i laughed pretty hard when i i read this um says quadrophenia in its entirety by pete townsend that's what it says in the liner notes. So he was not giving credit to anyone in, in its entirety. In its entirety. Yes. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Read I'm directly taking... off the liner notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, like I said, Pete's got, got more organic um, free-flowing guitars going. Um, two, uh, two forty-seven, uh, two minutes and 47 seconds in, uh, you get another call back to five fifteen with the horns. I, 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 we get another contradictory statement to let me be stormy. Let me be calm. So, uh, I don't know, just the thematic for sure. Yeah, and, I'm flowing under bridges. I'm flying through the sky. Yep. You say up or down. Yeah. So, uh, the last minute or so, um, I, what I've written in my notes is beautiful chaos. It is just so much happening. It's eargasm. It's amazing. 
but it is. And I read it as he's wanting to just go to the ocean and die. Uh, he, he wants it all to end, you know, let me flow into the ocean, take me yep. back to sea. You know, it's, it's, it's sad. It is, but could you see it also as his baptism, like washing all of his cares away into the sea? Like, is is he? I, I guess he is contemplating suicide, but could he also be just needing that that release, that redemption? He could be, but I don't. I don't see that in the lyrics. Sure. Um, and also, here's another thing. Uh, track one is called "I Am the Sea," so him becoming part of the sea, maybe. Yeah, maybe that is drowning. So. Yeah, and I think that it was meant to be that that first track was the end, as far as you know. He, we're uh, you know, he, I am the sea. He's remembering everything in that. So we're we're foreshadowing. Getting, we're getting his recall. Okay, as he's staring out to sea. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's, gotcha. that's the way I took it. All right, because yeah, things aren't done for Jimmy. <laughs> yes, he, as we get into the wonderful track fourteen, Bellboy. This is just chaos. I, I love Keith Moon. He, he was just a character. And this is Keith's theme. Yes, Keith's is, theme. Um, and he just barrels in that, that introductory, uh, drum, I'm going to call it a drum solo. It, it's, it's amazing. He just, it, it, is every Keith part a drum solo though? I, I, I think <laughs> one could argue that. The, so. uh, it, it's great to hear, you know, good old uncle Ernie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah singing exactly. again. I, I, yeah. I love it. It's in that it's that he, he doesn't have range much. <laughs> so no, it's, no, 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 no. It's, he's just basically talking. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a, it, it, it's an exaggerated Cockney accent. Yes. So, oh, got a good job, and I'm <laughs> newly born. I love it. it. It's it's great. So so Jimmy runs into uh, Ace Face, who is uh, played by Sting in the movie, and uh, the guy that he looked up to during that weekend in Brighton. Him and Ace Face and the and the rest of the group they they busted up this hotel, uh, trashed it, and then now he sees that same guy working at a, as a bellboy at that same hotel. Yep, that's and, the, the anger and it crushes him. It, boils, it just yes. just crushes him. His hero is is no longer a hero. So, the uh, when you watch this on on YouTube, it's great seeing uh, someone like holding the microphone to Keith as he's doing this this Cockney thing. But then in his left hand, he's not even looking; he's still hitting drums. Yep, as he's singing to the right in in a very I don't know Keith Moon fashion. It's it's just yes. wonderful. Now you said that everything in this album was intentional and I'm sure Pete uh, kind of succumbed to it, but he originally was very adamant about him not making this a comic song, a, a comedic song. 
I, I think it could be argued that that it's not necessarily comedy, but when you hear Keith doing that voice, you got to laugh. Oh yeah, absolutely. But then he has that that retrospective moment where he's like in the higher pitch. You know, you know some, yes. some nights I still sleep on the beach. So it takes away from the comedy, and then you start to feel sorry for this guy now too. Yes, spends his days licking boots for his perks. <laughs> So, um, and, and you tell me if I'm crazy here, is there a theremin used in this song or is it just that, that, um, exaggerated uh, guitar effect that I was referring to earlier? I don't it, know. It, I couldn't it say. Almost, it almost sounds like he's got that, that theremin sound going. And if, if not, then maybe he looped the, um, the guitar part through his synthesizer. But, um, anyway, just very haunting noises happening all over this one too. So. But, um, but yeah, uh, at the end, at the end, when, uh, Keith, uh, says always running at someone's heel, Keith's guitar actually picks up from there at the same exact tone that he was singing at. And it just extends oh, it for, right. for a super long time. It's so, so awesome. Just, yeah, and, right. and for, for the time, you know, uh, 1973, that was probably pretty unique. I don't know if, if many other people were or experience or experimenting with that kind of technique. So on that, uh, did you notice the the dig at Jimmy in those lyrics though? Uh, always running at someone's heel. You know how I feel. Yes. You, Just exactly. auto- yes. automatically assuming like, yeah, you, you do this too. You know, you're, you're, you're one of us in this class system and yeah, you know how I feel. And I, and I can just, feel that dig at Jimmy. Yes. But it was also hypocrisy because Jimmy was at ACE's heel and yep. now Ace is carrying some rich guy's baggage. So, and, and I think that uh, you know, and the bellboy was cool with it. He's saying, you know, the, you know, my secret is I just, you know, I, I keep it all on the inside. So he's he's a helpless dancer, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. He, he's playing the dance. He's he's going along with it. Bellboy. <laughs> oh God! I'll get it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a great track it really, it really is. is it's, it's yeah. fun it, it, it it's a blast that's another note that i made later later on for for the wrap-up but this album always makes me happy i i, I always it's, a, it's kind of he didn't want it to be comical but it is a moment of levity in this you know dark second half of the album sure uh, and and credit to keith moon on that if they would have swapped it and had the you know pete townsend singing as the bellboy it wouldn't have hit in the same way I, I'm curious to know. Um, I, I know they they did a concert in the 2000s. I'm curious to know who did Keith's part for that. I, I know, know. Uh, know Ringo's son is their drummer now, so I don't know if he's taken that part on. Really, or, I didn't know that. Not. Yeah, that's cool. Ringo is the who's drummer now, or not Ringo? Ringo's son, Zach Starkey. That's cool. Yeah. So we go from Bellboy to that's the, the end of oh. side three, by the way, for for the vinyl oh, okay. listeners. So you got to flip it. And, and then we get into track 15, Dr. Jimmy, which is John M. Whistle's theme. Uh, the, the, the part, uh, the, the is it me part. Um, they, 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 Pete described Entwistle as the romantic. So he, uh, so when the is it me part come, comes in through this. And, and we'll just throw this off right off the bat. So um, Dr. Jimmy is a reference to Dr. Jekyll. And mm-hmm. Mr. Jim is a reference to Mr. Hyde. Mr. So Hyde. I think, I think that's kind of what um, the two parts are. So the Dr. Jimmy part is the, the mad. Or no, no, no. Dr. Jimmy would be the, 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 the calm, right? 
Mr. Uh, yeah. Hyde is yeah so, by the by the literary reference yeah yes yeah, so, he only so comes Mi- out when I drink my gin yes so that would be Mr. Jim coming out. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that's uh, kind of what they're going at too. With the "Is it me for a moment?" and then you've got the the other part, which is kind of chaotic and um, bitter. Um, it's probably the best word for it. He's ready for a fight. He's ready for a fight. He's ready for um, all kinds of nefarious things. Um, yes, <laughs> saying he'll yes. rape girls. I mean, yes, yep. I mean, damn. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, you, you but, say but she's just, a virgin. I'm going to be the first in. Like, yep. okay, all right then. Right. Hey, you, you said it, not me. <laughs> I'm just quoting quadrophenia so. here. <laughs> so, but anyway, at this point, his parents threw him out. Uh, his girlfriend has chosen another guy now, and that other guy was supposed to be his best friend. His friend. Yes, and he's drinking and using drugs heavily as well. So he's he's on the brink here. This is this is where Jimmy loses it. So um, heavy chaotic uh, during the break in the middle as well. So another awesome baseline. It just I, I think John's tone again is what what all bass players should, should strive for. If the, if that kind of tone was in in uh, some other artists' repertoire, I, I I would be much more into the the music hearing hearing that on top of it. Just it, it adds a layer. So uh, I mentioned music transitions earlier and. This one, say when I when I listened to it first time through, I, I didn't know the tracks, and they have teased "Love Rain Over Me" many times throughout the whole album. I thought that was next. I just I, I felt that that was going to be the next track. Sure. And the uh, as it transfers into track sixteen, the rock. I was just I was expecting because you, you hear some ocean and you know, you, I'm just in a little bit of rain, and then uh, I was expecting those piano chords of loving over me, but instead you're treated to an outstanding drum intro. Yeah. It, it, it comes at you. Just, you we're not done yet. <laughs> I, I loved it. I think the rock might be my favorite track on the album. I think um, the reason they did that was so that they could actually include um, Dr. Jimmy in that song. Um, because it really, it, if you end Dr. Jimmy and just do the three in the rock, you're not going to, to, to get that, that um, fourth track in there. So, so in order to get all four in the rock, well, they this, had to, this is had to the underture really. Yeah. Yep. For this sure. is that other instrumental that encompasses all the, all the themes it's starting to wrap everything up. I guess in the story, this is Jimmy steals a boat and he starts heading out to sea yes. and he uh, is going towards this rock or he's yep. on the rock. Yep. So uh, a rock in the middle of, of the sea. So basically an Island, um, obviously not inhabited by, by anyone, but, but yes, he's, uh, he's going to, I, I'm going to call it his happy place, the sea. I think that's where, and I by, think he's, uh, at this point, he's uh, clean's a rough word, but he's, he's detoxed. Like everything has, because at the end of, of Dr. Jimmy, he's looking for something else, uh, something else to stronger, something to hold me down. There's some, something, 
he doesn't have it. So he goes out to sea. And then when he gets there, he's no longer drunk. He's no longer high. It's just him and his thoughts. And that's it. Yep. 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 So, um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, again, uh, Pete uses the talk box here too. So he's, he's saying love rain over me, um, actually over the top of the bellboy, uh, riff. So really neat. And like you said, it, it, this, this is a good favorite to choose. It, everything is in this song. It, it's, it's, it's got the, the music whole... goes over all the range of emotions that Jimmy has felt all through the album. Yep. And it ends super abruptly. And then the storm begins. And, and then you get those chords. Yes. Those yep. piano the... chords. Yeah, everyone's everyone's very familiar with the song, I'm sure. So I, I can't think of a better album closer than Love Rain Over Me. I, I think it's it's pretty perfect to, it, to close it, especially when album. you listen to the whole thing because it, it feels earned it's not just listen it's not just a good song on the radio he, he's getting to this point and and the emotion in this song is earned throughout the entire story yep it's definitely a goosebumps song for sure so and and we should mention this is Pete's theme if, if you didn't remember that from earlier yes. so uh, but yeah, it opens with that piano part that uh, has been teased throughout the entire album. And then uh, come the violins that everyone knows and loves. And, and, and speaking of vocal delivery for Roger, I, just perfection. Um, he starts with that sincere uh, vocal delivery, um, just almost. Yeah, I, I don't know if he does this kind of delivery very often. It, 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 it Sincere is a good word for it. It's just very... Yeah, when Calm. you think of the Who, you you don't really think of of ballads. Yeah, yep. you, you you think of the band as a whole in, in a in a jam session, something rocking. As you know, I can see for miles. Who are you? You know, good old blues tunes. You know, st- stuff like that. You don't think of a ballad where you only love. You know, yep. That it starts out so subtle. Only love can make it rain. but then yes we get that that gut scream again his his it's heart-wrenching his scream on the word love i mean it just in each each time he does it it gets even more impactful And I don't know how he didn't ruin his his voice th- throughout the years. I, I, I would mean, assume that he did not go into the studio the next day. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I probably agreed. needed a day. But doing it in concert, night after night after night after That's night, true. It, just crazy. Yeah, just just again, these four dudes, something else. Anyway, uh, good, and the guitar solo almost mm-hmm. sounds desperate as well. It, it's it's got that's a good uh, word. Yeah, it's got emotion. It, 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 it's almost like it's telling you a story. So, so beautiful. It really is. Anyway, I think uh, Jimmy kind of lets go of all those uh, external influences and desires and uh, 
tries to look internally to find himself at this point, but it does kind of end ambiguously, you know, how do you um, think it ends? I don't know. Um, I don't think he killed himself, but I don't think he drowned as, as referring to a previous song, but, um, I think he found redemption. I think he became one with the ocean. I think he might be on his path to find the real me. There's definitely, this is one of the few moments on the album where there is a little bit of hope in the lyrics. Yeah. And it's hard to say. I mean, they obviously left it ambiguous for a reason and they did in the movie too. Also ambiguous. Uh, yep, uh, we didn't actually get to see Jimmy go out to the rock in the movie. He uh, he drove Ace drove his scooter off the yes. drove scooter off the cliff. Yeah. Yep. And another the... another fun. See, I'm, I'm, I hate to break this this moment that we're having here about the song, but uh, my favorite part was when Jimmy pulled his own keys out of his pocket and started the scooter with them. And it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just another little thing from the movie that was was quite humorous so let me ask you this did you watch the movie with subtitles no i I, i'm pretty good at deciphering cockney accents no i needed that subtitle i'd like to rewatch it with subtitles because i'm sure i missed some some good parts there yeah the scene where he wrecks his scooter and it gets hit by like a a truck yes and and he's arguing on the curb with the guy that hit his scooter man that is some some crazy gibberish get off get off it yes it is it's, it's like brad pitt in snatch yes yes it is just yeah. you have no idea you like dags? Yeah. What did you say? Out of a caravan. It's from your ma. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, um, I don't know. Just a, again, yeah, let's let's get back to that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way to end the album. Um, yeah, I mean, we we we've definitely covered every aspect of this album. And it's 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 just fantastic. If you got, if anybody out there has not listened to this, please do so. This is a beautiful beautiful album yep for sure and and i don't know um for my closing notes here i i just uh, first note i said was who's putting music out like this who has since then and who is now um i've also got a list over on the other side of my computer here of other concept albums what was the um my chemical romance the black parade and that is that is what i was gonna say and that is is to me that's the only one that has come close and achieved a a beautiful concept album it's not a a two disc one it's sure it's i don't know maybe 12 tracks but it's it's definitely there but through doing this podcast i'm going to go with also the flaming lips the soft bulletin love that album too yes that really and, good. and it was through talking with jack through that album i didn't didn't realize the concept and talking with him about it like the black parade is about death but in a more oh i don't know uh depressing route <laughs> whereas the flaming lips they did it in a uh more uplifting thing a more uplifting uh point of view on it yes yep so um, the, a few that I have on my list, have you heard of the Decemberists? Yeah. 
uh, The Hazards of Love. If you have not heard that one, it is a concept album to the fullest extent. There, there is a whole play happening in in musical okay. form. So, um, fantastic album. I, I wouldn't compare it to Quadrophenia by any means. Love the Decembers. I'm not trying to bash them here, but it, it doesn't touch Quadrophenia. Instrumentally, they, they do a great job too. I, they, they they've just got a different style, and I, I do like the more folksy stuff. But yeah, Quadrophenia will always be top three for me for sure so um mars volta uh delast in the comatorium and uh francis the mute their their first two albums were both uh concept albums and delast in the comatorium i i could i could do a show on them too um or on that album uh just just john frashanti from the chili peppers uh was the guitarist uh flea was the bass player from uh chili peppers as well so um but um yeah mars volta just has such a unique sound so um layer wise i think that one might approach quadrophenia so um and you've referenced the kinks um a couple times in this this podcast so um uh village green preservation society um lola versus power man uh preservation x one and two um they they had a couple good ones too but um, and, and they, they approach music with humor as well, kind of like Keith. So I, I think from a production standpoint, you, you've got, you know, the, the top three in any random order, you got Tommy Quadrophenia and the wall. I mean, those three sure. set the standard for a, a concept album and that's hard to beat. Yes. Um, many have tried and failed. I mean, the, as far as a failure sticks, uh, Kilroy was here comes yes. to mind. Hey, and I wouldn't call it a complete failure. They had yeah, some good job. Well. <laughs> but it definitely did not reach the, the, the heights they were shooting for, or at least Dennis DeYoung was shooting for. Domo, Domo Arigato, Mr. Obata. Come on. I had a friend in the army who was real big into, um, I think it was Queensryche. And, uh, Operation Mindcrime. Okay. Was Queen's that Queensryche? Uh, Silent Lucidity is the only thing I know of them. And, and same here. And I, I tried to listen to Operation Mindcrime and it just, it didn't click with me at the time, sure. but he swore up and down that this is better than the wall. Like, eh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, another one I have on my list loosely, um, and, and you can say that about any of his albums, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Downward Spiral, uh, Fragile, uh, year zero is one of my all-time favorites from from him so uh that one that's a great album yeah yeah year, year zero is in speaking of uh another anniversary coming up so i believe it's 15 years um so we should be getting a, a reissue on that one this year as well so got pete's life house see i'm i'm super i'm nerding out about that i i can't wait like i said who's next is it's fantastic but yeah we've got year zero coming too so two of them so uh we, you've already done what episodes you gave us a short list, but what's another group of uh, albums that you would have liked to talk about? What's another short list for you? Oh man. I, there are so many, but um, I, I, I said uh, I could do one on the last in the comatorium for sure. Um, blind melon uh, self-titled or soup as well. Uh, love, love, love blind melon anything Pearl Jam. I, the reason I didn't choose Pearl Jam for my first episode was because one of your buddies had, had already done verses. So, which was a great choice. I probably would have chosen Riot Act, but that was because that, that was my formative. Those were my formative years for music when, when I discovered that one. And that was really my introduction to them. Yes. I knew 
the, the stuff off of 10 and verses and vitology, but really got into them during the riot act years. So, Oh, I I could just babble all night. I'd come up with 50 different albums that I could, could talk about, but uh, Queens of the stone age um, songs for the deaf. That's another big one. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Anyway. So I I, I do have a question for you that I've got here. Um, I know we've, we've gone quite long here. So when did you find the real you? The real me. Find the real me. When do you really think that? See, this goes back to our our previous conversation about: Does everyone really go through what Jimmy's going through? Is he kind of overly um, traumatizing his experience? I I kind of subscribe to the philosophy that everyone lives three lives. You've got you got your childhood, you've got your adolescence, and you got your adulthood, and the transition points are always different. You know, per person. I I kind of had a weird one because you know, my childhood, you know, pretty much ended at basic training, you know, forcefully okay. at 18. So that was a, a completely new life, new world that I stepped into. And so my adolescence, uh, for a good 10 years of the army was, I mean, at 20, I had, I was a Sergeant and had my own team. I had people underneath me training them, you know, to do things, not to die. So that, that, that's that was, a pretty intense. Yeah. And, and then you, hell less than a year after getting my stripes, September 11th happened and just, you know, shit got real. And, uh, and then you throw in, you know, some trips to Iraq and stuff like that. You know, there's, so that was my adolescence. So it was kind of, kind of weird. I was forced into those roles by choice, by choice. And sure. I'm not, I'm not, not blaming me. I mean, I give the army all the credit in the world, but, but definitely, you know, the current, me was when I got out of the military and decided on Atlanta, moved here, started my actual civilian career, met my wife, you know, all that stuff. That's, that's who I am today. And okay. so in that transition was around 06, 07. Okay. And how old were you at the time? 26. Okay. And see, I, I'd say later twenties was kind of when I found myself too, but, and, and I don't have an awesome story to tell like that, unfortunately. So, um, when I turned 20, <laughs> I had started drinking a lot and, uh, just, well, that goes yeah. with the army. Yeah. That's, okay. that's a kind of implied right. with the army. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I think you've kind of got to go through that kind of stuff. So, um, getting your heart broken, I think that's huge. It, like really broken. I'm not talking about just a bad, bur- uh, little breakup that, that you, you feel bad for a few weeks and then you're on to the next one. I'm talking like really like heart wrenching. I can't do anything the next day after this kind of thing. You know, you need your heart broken. You need to get shit on at work. You need friends to betray you. I think that's, that's everyday stuff that I, I mean, that that's what kind of defines, and it may sound negative, but those are negative things, but I think they do kind of form what, what you do become and you can either choose to be bitter about it or you can find other ways to focus your energies. Well, and that's, and that's why I I look down on Jimmy because of how he reacts to these things. I mean, these, these things are petty. Yes. They're, they're things that every kid goes through. You got a shitty job. Everyone does in their twenties. You got to tough it out, man. You got to move up the ladder your, uh, your girl is, is not your girl. You, well, you were trying too hard from the sounds of it. Sure. He made her and, too many mixtapes. <laughs> you uh, see and say, or she, or, be, or she read the sand. lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The, uh, you know, all the stuff that he experiences 
everybody does. I mean, and if you want to get it's so like, you know, now I'm married with kids. So the days of, you know, pre-marriage where me and my, my buddies were, you know, out at the, the bar, you know, a couple times a week, you know, doing that stuff. That was all fine. That was fun. I look back on it fondly, but I don't like regret having a wife and kids. Now I have a whole new set of adventures. My kid was just in Willy Wonka and it was fantastic. He's seven years old on the stage. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, it was great. And you know, he's, he wants to be on Broadway someday. Like absolutely, man, let's do this. Very cool. And I, I wouldn't give up any of this. You know, if just to have someone early twenties to think that, Oh, just because of a few knocks of normal life, your life is over and the good days are past. No, man, that's, that's sure. just so, I don't, I don't know. I, he, he needed, um, you know, he, he was talking to a doctor at the beginning. That's a pretty shitty doctor. <laughs> yep. So, but, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I, well, see, let me say this. I don't think that he had any sort of mental illness. Agreed. I think that, I think that he was just a kid going through normal kid stuff and through his own decisions, whether he, through his own decisions, he just progressively made things worse. Sure. I'd like to think that Jimmy moved on, went to the military, found himself a wife and his kids in, in Willy Wonka. That, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's how I think the, the whole thing ended. I, I and, think he, he, and he absolutely could have. Because uh, we talked I, about this too. Um, I think I, telling a 20-year-old uh, or someone in that vicinity, um, telling them what to do is not going to work. You can tell them, stop smoking. Nope screw you stop stop drinking something screw you. so i think that that ego he, he had that kind of uh kind of and, and you know what my my senior year of high school i had that same attitude i did sure. and i mean i was i was the one going into the computer system and changing my grades sure yeah that was you know we, we actually stole the paper that the report cards came out on and we nice. printed our own report cards there you <laughs> so, go so, yeah so i mean yeah, I didn't, it didn't give a shit. Just sure. Invincible. Sure. And, and I will be honest, the army knocked all that out of me. Sure. Yeah. And not through what you see on the movies and television of, you know, just fall in line or you got to do pushups. Yeah. That stuff's there. It was more having a team, having people report to you. So if you are ready to deploy tomorrow, these guys, you're, they are your responsibility. And that, that stuff is, is definitely awakening for a, you know, 20 year old changed my entire outlook. So when I'm out drinking with people in the military, um, I'm thinking, okay, how do I get these guys home? Sure. These young idiots. And I'm 20. There you go. Yep. (laughs) For sure. I'm, I'm still literally underage drinking with my, you know, platoon. And I'm thinking I got to help get these kids home. So that was just weird thinking when you, when you look back on it, when I'm not even old enough to drink myself, but, and then, you know, I've uh, made plenty of mistakes, uh, in, in those early years. I don't know. It's just, I just always think that there is just better. It's all about personal responsibility and the decisions you make. Agreed. 100%. But put now, yourself back in those 18 year old shoes. Jimmy never had that military training. So, he, but he could have, yeah, he could yeah. have, I mean, I had the wrong decision. You're right. I didn't join the military out of any, you know, patriotic duty or esprit de corps or nothing like that. I joined cause I didn't want to pay for college. Flat out. And that, that was my reasoning. Now, through the military, I developed uh, an extreme love of my country. And, and uh, you know, well, I'm very proud that I that I did all that. 
but that wasn't the initial, you know, I'm not going to fake it. That wasn't my initial reason. It was just, holy shit, college are costs you, what? <laughs> are you a tool fan? Yeah. Uh, Maynard will admit that same thing that, 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 to a T, what you just said. So he, he joined the military because he wanted to go to art school. So yeah, there, you, there you go. I, be, I, mean, I've, I, be, I believe it was art school. I, I, it's been a while since I've, I've looked at it. It took me 10 years. I finally used that college money. So I've, I've got the degrees. I've got, yep. you know, I, I did it all and very, very happy with my decisions. Uh, and, and if there is some psychologist out there that's actually, you know, listening to this and wants to come at me, oh, mental illness is real. Of course, mental illness is real. People are, people have legitimate things. I, my personal opinion as, as a network engineer <laughs> of all things, I just think that Jimmy was overreacting and he, he couldn't deal whether it was through uh, you know, his own bad decisions or the drugs and the alcohol that he was just shoving down his throat the entire time. Yep. Cause you can't make good decisions when you're doing that stuff, plain and simple. Right. Every, I can almost point to alcohol for every bad decision I've made. <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat. The uh, but but cheers I, to that. I'm 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 having a coffee and whiskey. So <laughs> oh, just just coffee on my end. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I'm hopeful that he came out of this album on the right side. I, I'm going to say he did. We're we're going to leave on a positive note here. So right. Jimmy's doing well. He's watching his kid in the the Willy Wonka theater. You know, he's just he's he's grown up. He's realized the mistakes he made in his youth. It is so cool to see your kid on stage doing a, a full musical. It was great. Hey, I, I, I want him to do Tommy. <laughs> that, that would be great. You know, there's a, a theatrical release of, of that, correct? Yeah, but I don't think it's, it's quite at the junior level. This is Willy Walker uh, Jr. <laughs> have, him, have him bring it back. Once he gets to junior high, high school. I haven't even shown him the movie yet. I'm not prepared to say for him because he's a very inquisitive thing. This kid's pointing out the plot holes in Harry Potter. We're only at the end of book one. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, don't want, I don't want him to start asking, who's the acid queen? You know. <laughs> there you go. Nope. Who's Uncle Ernie? Yeah. Let's fast forward this. <laughs> <laughs> fiddle about, fiddle about. Uh, yes, okay. Pete, Pete is not afraid to touch the those issues by any means. So. Uh, yeah, I think he's had his issues as well. Oh, there. For sure. It was for research, right? It was for yes, research. yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah, we won't go, we won't touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still alive. The two of his bandmates can't say that. This is true. This is true. Let's see. So before we wrap this up, do you want to tell our listeners anything you're working on or they can find you or anything you want to pitch? Nope. But as I did last time, um, I'm going to leave you with this unlimited love by the red hot chili peppers. Go out and buy it. Holy crap. When, when, did, that when did that come out? Like last month? Yeah. Just a few weeks ago. I did okay. maybe two weeks ago, but anyway, Holy cow. John Frushanti is back. Good. Man. And, and, one of the few bass players that approaches John Entwistle's greatness. Flea's he, outstanding, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. He, and this is his album. He, he shines. Uh, all of them do. It, I mean, it, it is, it, for, for 60-year-old dudes still rocking and rolling, it, it is a stellar, stellar album. Check it out. It is awesome. Wait, wait, is this on the level of Blood Sugar Sex Magic? I would say yes. They, they do okay. approach some of that older uh, funk and it, it's done perfectly. John um, ha, has said in interviews that um, 
he tried to let his ego go for this one. And in the past he was doing 10 part harmonies. He was doing uh, five guitar solos looped on top of each other. Um, I, I mean, he, he, which is what I loved about, about those albums, uh, by the way, Californication and stadium Arcadium, John's production on those, um, is why I enjoy those so much, but he is still that, that, that attention to detail is still there in, in the new album. Um, it's just not as, as over the top. So this is kind of just a straightforward funk rock amazingness. I, I don't know how to describe it. You just got to give it a shot. It is so awesome. Last time I promoted PJ what was, Harvey. This what was it called again? Unlimited Love. Unlimited Love by the Red yes. Hot Chili Peppers. And, All right, and, everyone, check it out. Yes, and speaking of it is also, it's not a double album on the CD, but it's a double album uh, vinyl-wise, and that's how, how they're describing it. So it's, it's, a, it's a long one, 17 tracks. Well, Luke, I would like to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit and talk with you about the Who's Quadrophenia. Absolute pleasure. I, I had a blast. Anytime you want to do this, I'm, I'm back. If you want to do a, a mixtape, a love song mixtape podcast, I'm in. You, you know who to contact. Uh, I want to recommend a podcast for you called Playlist Wars. <laughs> I, I, I've they're, not heard of this. Oh, they're, they're good guys. Uh, the, the podcast community is, is, is pretty, pretty tight. I've met a lot of people this way, a lot of music podcasters out there. Um, there's two podcasts I'm listening to a lot with Podcast Wars and uh, Soundtrack Your Life. Soundtrack okay. Your Life, uh, th- he's actually going to come on our show and, uh, and do an album. He talks with people about mu- movie soundtracks. Almost okay. Famous, Old Brother Where Art Thou, Airheads, Empire Records. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable show. Uh, and then Playlist Wars, they have like, okay, we're going to do a Red Hot Chili Pepper show. And these two guys, they bring their playlist and then the fans vote which one's... Which one won? That is a very cool concept. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really entertaining. And uh, you you get a lot of, uh, you know, I never heard that one. Let me check that one out. Okay. I I will definitely look that up for sure. All right. Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.